little more mellow this time, Dan. But same energy. I dare you to call this noise. I dare you. I dare you. This is the first time. No, no, this is the first time that we actually have something that I can be like, I, I, okay, I. <laughs> okay. You, you, you are uncultured for, for, swine. <laughs> right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as you know, we've been starting off our podcast with throwback memes. Just, just to think about a, a time, you know, a, a simpler time. Just, uh, that's how we measure time now. Memes. So this one was actually a submission. From one of our Patreon subscribers Shout out to Chris for this one Let's see if you recognize this audio, Phil I just want you to know You ain't get me I got you We're done Oh It's tiring I'm hot Don't taste me, that shit Just stings My safe word is pineapple juice You dead? Put your hands behind your back Palms up, put your hands behind your back, both hands. It's warm. Stay just like that. Cross your ankles. Ooh. Cross your ankles. We gonna take pictures? Stay just like that. You understand me? Bring your ankles up to your butt. Swap man, what's my safe word? Bring your ankles up to your butt. That's how far I go. You think I'm in Pilates? Stay just like that. I think I'm gonna have a heart attack. I'm out of breath. Just like that. Stick this hand up, just like that. Don't move it. Can I change it to pizza? No, I'll stick with pineapple juice. I like pineapple. Oh, watch your hands, bud. What is this? That's a, don't, is don't do that. That's, oh, that's, that's my lighter. It don't work. Don't do drugs, kids. Those are my quarters. You want to put those in your pocket? That has changed. You know how long it took me to acquire those? Some of those are limited edition. Well, that's my flash drive. Don't look at it. Unless you want to see big <laughs> That's my wallet! You have no, ooh. And watch your fingers, booty hole man. <sighs> He's strong. No wonder y'all together. Why isn't this meme ending? I'm gonna stop there. I was waiting to see a, a hint of recognition on your face there, Philip. I, I, I stay off world star hip hop, and that sounds a lot like world star hip hop. <laughs> Okay, so uh, for those of you who are wondering, this is, uh, I would estimate about five years old. No, no, that's a lie. Eesh, time moves really funny. Because in my mind, 2015 is like five years ago. No, it's not. Um, this is, I don't know how many years old. But the point is, uh, this is a small clip taken from an episode of Southland Bounty Hunters. 
Um, and, and it was a video of a man getting arrested. Well, he wasn't getting arrested by police. He was getting arrested by a bounty hunter who, who has other issues. There are questions about whether he's doing it legally or not. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. But the point is this was televised and this became a very viral video. Uh, apparently, it was labeled the most uh, hilarious arrest of all time because of uh, all those little one-liners and comments that that man was doing as he was getting arrested. Of course, of course a black uh, man yeah, is that was hilarious. From- Huh? Mm-hmm. More black people being incarcerated is hilarious, isn't that? That's funny, huh? That's what you guys find entertaining. Well, it was it was viral on Black Twitter. To be fair, that's probably made up of mostly white people anyway. So exactly, we we know y'all with your, your, your <laughs> finsters with your fake accounts, Daily Loud. Get out of here, man. <laughs> anyway, in case you're wondering, if you've ever heard that video, if you've ever seen it, that was submitted by Chris, uh, aka Chris Posia. I don't know if he still uses that. Yeah, but uh, it was a viral sensation uh, a couple of years ago. I, can't, I couldn't uh, determine the exact date, but some some plenty plus of years ago, whenever this show was live on TV. A whole separate other discussion would have been about the guy who is the actual bounty hunter. His name's Paddy Mayo. Turns out that the way he was doing his things wasn't quite legal. And there were questions about whether he was allowed to do that. I just find it really wild that any random civilian can just go treat someone like that. Nah, you're joking, son. You're joking. But America be wild like that. Anyway, let us start the show. Uh, Philip. Mm-hmm. We have to start with the right energy. Indeed so, we do. Actually, you know what, Philip? Before we start, um, there's a couple of things we need to take care of. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the energy of the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think firstly, there's very sad news that we received today on the day of recording. Um, in fact, legendary Zimbabwean jazz musician, um, one of the Rusike brothers was in the band Jazz Invitation and, uh, father to a friend of ours and a, a Patreon subscriber. Kelly Rusike, uh, we heard the news that he passed away after battling illness. Um, so yeah, I want to take this opportunity to to express our own sorrow and to give condolences to uh, to Courtney um, and to the family as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we'll pay tribute I, to them I, properly in the music segment. But uh, yeah, man, yeah, sad. yeah. Um, I grew up. I, part of the time that I lived in an apartment complex above the Rusikes. And I, at the time, I was too young to understand. I just knew he was a somewhat famous musician that lived downstairs. So, you know, but they were just like, the family was just very nice and kind to us. And this is quite sad news. So, uh, yeah, please accept our, uh, our condolences. Courtney, I know you're probably listening to this episode. And everyone that knew him and Zimbabwe as a whole has lost a, a, a very talented musician. Yeah. So that's very sad news that we got this week. Definitely. Um, some other sad news that I thought I would mention uh, because it came out in the news this week as well is that the former Zimbabwe cricket star Heath Streak is apparently in critical condition um, in hospital in South Africa. Uh, news broke that uh, he is battling cancer. Um, so, uh, according to close friend, Sean Williams, it's, uh, can- cancer of the colon and liver stage four. 
uh, and apparently it's looking quite dire. So that's some very sad news. So positive vibes and prayers up as well for Heath Streak. Okay. The show must go on. Let's bring some energy into the show, Philip. We need to jig ourselves out of this um, sad mood that the sad news has, has given us. But people come here to the, the podcast to uh, lift their spirits. So if you're also feeling sad, um, yeah, I have to ask, are y'all good to go? Sound of the them. Let me hear a drum play. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. Despite the sad news, despite terrible goings on, we are here to make sure you stay entertained, informed, and in a better mood than you were before you listened to the podcast. My name is Danny Daggett. <laughs> my name is Danny that guy, aka ah, I feel I've forgotten my intro. Uh, oh my god Wow This is why I need to keep It in front of me Damn that guy A.K.A Danos the Mad Titan A.K.A Denford Wekumaraini A.K.A Denimi My Life Your Entertainment A.K.A I'm done with these streets Hope my wife never wishes Her ex a happy birthday That would be weird <laughs> Publicly And then defends it That would be very weird A.K.A Welcome to another episode of Two Broke Twimbos And then drop screenshots of how the ex has been trying to contact her for (laughs) months on end And then gets into it with a lame on Twitter I mean, wow How many L's can you take in a week? Like since one two, I've been dealing with Phil, you know, because you know, I you mean, know. I mean, exactly. What what goes on in their household is is their business, but the problem is they make their business our business. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the problem because my, how many L's? Like, what what's your L threshold? Like, how many L's do you, would you would you allow? Um, and I, I'm using that word intentionally. I'm actually saying allow. How many uh, L's would you allow your wife to to let you take before you're like, ah, okay, you know what? You know what? Uh, you know what? Um, I, I think I, I think it's time I find another managerial position because this club, it, it, it's not working out. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Do your intro, Phil. Then let's just let's just have a quick word on that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You unmistakable, irrefutably, unquestionable. That when we're done, I'm blocking you with both Phil Chad, aka Flame Flaws, the Big Boss, baby. Aka Sex and Lovu, aka Filthy Phil, aka DJ Mukara. And of course, it's Shamwari Ditengerewo Drinky. <sighs> mm. So you you raise a very valid question. Let me mm. let me just do it like this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. You see, I, I think social media has made fools of all of us. It has indeed. Um we we are we are determined. We're doing our best. Absolutely, to get the views, to get the clicks, 
relevance, clout, whatever you want to call it. And sometimes we make fools of ourselves. Mm -hmm. If the basis of your relationship, Phil, is the public and their perception of you, you're never going to know peace. Mm -hmm. So in these situations, I'm sure that I, this is the best case scenario and this is what I hope for Linda and Titan. I, I will mention I don't, It's pretty obvious who we're talking about. But we still uh, have possible um, deniability, I don't know. Dan. <laughs> I, know, I know Titan. Uh, I don't... Have I met... I, I think you I have. met Olinda, but I don't know her. But I know Titan. Yeah. As do I. This is the best that I hope for the both of you. The best I hope is that you guys kiki-ki with each other offline at how ridiculous everything is. And you actually go to each other. Okay, go ahead. Post it. Let's see what people say. As much as I still think that's an L, it's at least the best case scenario that I see. That you guys will be sitting there like, look what he said. Look what he said. All right, post your ex now. Let's see. <laughs> look at them. Because then, but, but then, I, I shudder to think of the alternative. For, for, that, for, for, for that joke to actually work, and for that premise to work, it's not a, hey, baby, let's troll the timeline tonight because we're bored. It's a long-term intentional. <laughs> That's tr- like, how's your troll? troll the timeline for like, the next hey, babe, 10 years. How's your, tr- how's your troll going so far? Like, oh, when we finally let it grab, oh my God, this is going to be the best punchline ever. <laughs> and the thing is, I know there's some people like, who've got, I, I consider myself as one of those people who've got such a high threshold for taking a joke. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not the type of person that would be like, nah, nah, bro, you disrespecting me now. I'm not that type of person. I appreciate a joke. And I mean, obviously, if it's going too far, it's going too far. But I, you try to make a joke, it's fine. And I know there's some people that don't look at life that way of, you know, I'm being disrespected. What is everyone going to think of me now? And, you know, I do think you can go too far with the mindset of I let everything slide. But I know some people like that exist. And my best hope for Titan and Linda is that everything is one big troll. And when you're off, away from the keyboard, when you're AFK or away from your phones, you guys are kiki-keying with each other at how funny everyone's reaction is and how there were these two idiots on that podcast who spent so long talking about them. <laughs> Imagine, they don't even know what our life is like. That's what I hope for you, my brother. That's what I really hope. Because the alternative is you're just sitting there and someone is unilaterally making decisions about posting things. That clearly, but, but the, so this troll, like, there's layers to it, Dan. Because remember, there was the other troll when the when when she took the iMac and he was now outside the house begging for the iMac because that's where his songs were. <laughs> and she was like, "I bought this iMac. You don't even pay rent here." <laughs> <laughs> so funny trolling, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, you know I realized that you and I just aren't funny. We don't have a sense of humor, so we don't get these things. You know what I mean? It's, it's above us. Yeah. That's why we have such a serious podcast with no humor in it whatsoever. We are tackling the hard issues, the tough conversations, you know? The That's things. who we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is who we are. People call us the soft talk. Soft talk of Zimbabwe. Some people might call us the Tucker Carlson of Zimbabwe. The flaccid chat. And the Don Lemons. John Lemon and Tucker Carlson of Zimbabwe. So wait, who's getting fired first? And <laughs> did, did you see that? Did you see that deep fake of Tucker Carlson? 
No, I I, I actively avoid. No, it, it's hilarious. You no, know, you have to see it. Uh, but uh, crims, you're gonna have to censor it a lot. But it's it's hilarious. Just for Dan, <laughs> just for Dan to see it. I, I need to. I think I think I know which one. I think I heard part of it somewhere. Where did you? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Where did I hear it? Must have been on Twitter. Yo, when Zessa comes back, it's so loud. <laughs> Can you hear it? Hey, speaking of which, man, I... Uh, we, <laughs> anyway. Mm, let's see if this is done. Politico is taking a lot of money from the... No, corporate. I saw it. Dang it. Why did they take it down? It's really hard to find. I think they might have taken it down. You know, Elon wow. is twerking there for Tucker, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's funny. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Elon is twerking for Tucker. Twerking for Tucker. Here we go. All right, twenty-five can't cook. Here we go, Dan. Born in the nineties, that's under twenty-five can't cook, can't clean. They don't want to work nothing. Niggas, that's thirty-one and over, get in relationships with them and wonder why she ain't working. That's because all young want to do is pop pills, smoke weed, get drunk, lay around, suck, eat hot Cheetos, charge they phone, get a sew and weave, twerk, be bisexual, eat McDonald's, wash they in the sink, lie, take selfies, and talk through Wi-Fi because they phone never on. <laughs> For three seconds, I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, okay. It's a but dude, so many people, so many people were caught. Wait, like, oh. so it wasn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't the N word that got you. It was, because <laughs> you're like, yeah, he could possibly have said that. Yeah. I mean, come on. Wait, I mean, come I just on. It, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, let's, let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's officially start the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls with Zimbabweans doing it big. We like to keep some good, positive energy in the podcast. Let's start off in the world of sport. We want to give a shout out to Zimbabwean, young Zimbabwean, 18 year old academy prospect at Liverpool, Isaac Mabaya, who has signed a new contract with Liverpool FC. Um, the thing is, we last heard him. Because Zimbabwe was asking him to play for Zim, uh, but he turned that down in favor of representing England under 18s. So, yeah. But anyway, he is in the Liverpool uh, youth ranks over there, and perhaps we shall see him uh, in the coming seasons, maybe even this next season uh, coming up. Shout out to Isaac Mabaya. Uh, I completely understand you can't live on patriotism. You know what I'm saying? But it would have been nice if you. Could, but you know, whatever. Doesn't matter which team you play for, as long as you play good football. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Isaac Mabaya. Next up, I want to give a big shout out to Rumbizai Dube, um, Cambridge scholar born in Zimbabwe, who, along with Bailey Weatherby, has emerged as one of the two recipients of the prestigious 2023 Bill Gates Senior Award. Um, yeah, so they get this esteemed recognition because of their remarkable achievements and embodiment of the Gates Cambridge values. So congratulations to Rumbidzai Dube for uh, that as well. Um, in the world of television, Fox hit comedy series Animal Control, uh, starring Joel McHale, one of my favorites from uh, community fame, um, is being renewed for season two. As you know, in this era, in this uh, environment, being renewed for a second season is a big deal. 
Uh, also starring in that TV show is Zimbabwean actress Alvina August, uh, who plays the character of Dr. Summers, a veterinarian. Um, you know, and that is a comedy series on Fox, which seems to be doing very well. The show follows a group of animal control workers whose lives are complicated by the fact that animals are simple, but humans are not. Witty humor, relatable characters, great show. I'm going to watch it now just because I know there's Zimbabwean in it. Shout out to Alvina August. Nice, nice, and nice. finally, nice. just want to give a big shout out as a bonus. Uh, shout out to 19-year-old Wizkid. This is according to the Newsday. Uh, the others, thank you very much to Greedy. Wh- Wizkid is that young? Wow. Uh, no, no, is a Wizkid. Mufaro Agnes Joe, who uh, is uh, formerly the head girl of Chispiti Senior School, who uh, is the current holder of the National Institute of Allied Arts Cup for Best Duologue. Uh, she is uh, receiving the Outstanding Cambridge Learner Award. So shout out to her. It was in the Newsday, uh, which I think, I believe this week or next week, she'll be receiving that award. Apparently she's super smart. Nice, 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 nice. And of course, teenagers is a, love the podcast. I mean, you know, so the teens. Yeah, yeah. No, Phil, we, we're, we're, I'm trying to reach out to new audiences. You know what I mean? So, so you know, uh, friends of Mufaro Agnes Joe, please let her know that she was shouted out on this podcast and she should listen and tell her friends to listen, but not below 18, 18 and above, please. Thank you. Um, and my memories of Chisipiti Senior School Mm. And granted, this is... This is going to be problematic. We can continue. Granted, this is 20 years ago. I'm surprised that the head girl is an academic. I didn't think that that was very prized. But clearly I'm wrong and I'm not one to talk because I was not at a high school that necessarily did the same. But it's good to hear. And shout out to Cheesy, man. I, you know, Cheesy was a good... You know, you know Phil, mm-hmm. can I tell you something? Shout out to Cheesy. I went to the Cheesy, Cheesy did a lot of things for us back in the day. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Phil, I went to the Cheesy um, um, prom. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I had a good time. Mm, apparently, I, I can there imagine. was a list of. Pe- I can imagine. Apparently, there was a list of people who wanted to dance with me. Mm-hmm, and I'm Chizzy sure. Was a good, I'm sure they did a lot I of dancing. A, a lot of dancing, didn't they? A lot of a lot of high school dancing going a, a, on there. A lot of salsas, a, a, a lot of pasada, You know, maybe a little bit of conga. It was. It was a. It was a good time. Mm. Chisipita and Arundel just. Oh, mm, good. Mm, good mm, memories when I, mean, I was just, in high school. Just, you just know? fine institutions of learning. You know. Just, <laughs> do you know? I wish I had. I, I wish I had like noted down all these because these memories are so hazy. I'm trying to remember what happened. What was it like? No, you know, da- you then you're married. It's fine. Let them be hazy. You don't want them to come into full. <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> I'm talking about overall, mm-hmm. not necessarily specifically mm-hmm. the types of dancing at the mm-hmm. <laughs> at the mm-hmm. levers. Okay, okay. okay. Anyway. There you go. All right. But we need to... All right. Actually, before Dan leaves, um, if we've got listeners that attended any of those institutions, we just want to understand why. Like, what... Like, was that part of the initiation? Was that part of, like, you know, Form 1 indoctrination? Like, these these are the tenets of our schools. That's what we stand for. 
And you better reflect these values, young lady. Why, why, why what, Phil? <laughs> huh? You know what I'm why talking what? about. What, what's understood, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. What's understood doesn't have to be said, okay? What's understood Le- does not have to be said, Dan, okay? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you an Arundel story. Okay. So, um, when, we were, when we were doing our A-levels, we had a, a study group with Arundel School. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, learning was going on there, I'm sure. Honestly, it was mostly there. We did holiday lessons and, and there was like this whole interchange. So there was, there was this like friend group that grew out of PE and Arundel girls. Um, and when we were done with exams, so you know you'd be done with exams, but the school term is technically not over. So you're expected to come to school. And like most people didn't go. And I don't know, I was, home was boring. I went to school. There was no real lessons. The school term was still going on. There was like maybe two exams left, but it's like in a month from now. And it's like one, you know what I mean? It was like that weird period. Mm-hmm. So we, we often spent a lot of time either at Arundel or they spent a lot of time by our school. Mm-hmm. So we're just chilling, rapping stories, what or what. So they, we were in the middle of this conversation with this group of girls from Arundel. And someone said, you know, like there, there was just discussions about what we're going to do after, after school when we get our results and what's the next plan. Some people going to college, some people going to work for this company and na, 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 and all of this. Then someone said, yo, but like, have you guys thought about what you'll do if you fail? And this entire group of Arundel girls, without skipping a beat, burst into laughter. And we were just sitting there like in confusion. We're like, what's funny? No one said anything funny. And they are laughing their lungs out. Through gasps for air, <laughs> one of the girls finally says, no one ever fails at Arundel, silly. And they continue their mirth. Mm. And we sit there and like, damn, is that, is that a real thing? Post that, I started asking a lot of people and they were like, yeah, no, it's true. No one fails. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like, Seven years ago, there was this one girl. She failed or something like that. I was like, damn. So, hey, there's a reason to attend Arundel. Somehow, despite having a focus on academic activities, still, you know, they were able mm. to follow through on school values you, you know, that you mentioned. The, the key to a quality so, student is, is being able to multitask. And that's one thing I'm very familiar with from Arundel <laughs> girls is their ability to multitask, you know. They're very good at doing more than one thing. <laughs> okay, Phil, we're, we're in our thirties. There's no. <laughs> but I'm, okay, I'm, okay, I'm talking about teenage Phil. It's <laughs> teenage Phil. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we can't be talking about school stories. Come on, man. No, we're talking about when we okay. were in school. I'm not talking about when kids now are in school. That'd be no. I I know. No, no. I'm talking about when we were in school. There's no need for us to go back to when we were in school. But Dan, Dan, you, we literally you know, rapped you know, songs about when we were in school last week. Now all of a sudden we don't talk about school. All, now all of a sudden you don't talk about school. Hmm? Now all of a sudden you're in the past. <laughs> no, because you, you, know, you know how people still, even to this day, to this day, still make the school they went to their entire personality. I, I, to, be, to, be, to be honest with you, Dan, I've done a very good job of weeding those people out of my life. I've never encountered that in a while. Okay, not never, but I have I, I, I still know and have occasional interactions with people who three feathers up. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I had a great time at PE. I'm proud of my school, what it was then. I'm a little bit worried about what's going on now. Um, I have fond memories of high school and other memories that weren't so fond and all of that. But in general, I had a good time. I enjoyed Prince Edward's high school. Mm. However, 
I can't, I can't understand someone who makes it their entire personality. Three feathers till I die, yo. Tigers, <laughs> wah, wah. Skirt, skirt. Relax, man. Relax. Yo. <laughs> yo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yo, and then there's, there's the George's squad. John's. For, for someone looking to mm. not talk about high school, you really are dwelling on this high school topic. I'm I'm literally remembering or thinking of people who up to this day still have that whole vibe. Anyway, um, let us wrap up what we spoke about last week. Oh, last last week we spoke about uh, the Beyonce tour kicking off. Uh, mm. A record Beyonce. crowd. The Beyonce. biggest number of people at a live event for a woman performer um, was uh, last week at the King Baudouin Stadium in Belgium for Beyonce's tour. 53,000 fans. So, uh, seems to be going well. Really? I'm a little... I, I, it's wild that that's record, right? What? <laughs> okay. I you saw that news Ash. article and I was like... Okay, you know what? Feminists keep fighting because, yeah. What? That, what? Okay. So, okay. Let me... I, I'm gonna... Some, some of these things are... You have to take them with a pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia, the highest attended ticketed concert, uh, concerts, excluding music festivals, which is a whole different conversation. But you see, I'm confused. Here there's Tina Turner in 1988 who had 180,000. This is, my, so so this this is whole, why I'm so confused then. This is part of the reason I'm so confused. Yeah. Maybe it was in like in Europe. It's one of those weird, like super specific ESPN type stats where they're like, this is the highest performer for a woman in Eastern Europe between the the months of May and and June. (laughs) Or like, you know, the, the, I mean, there was a Metallica concert that had 1.6 million people in Moscow. That was a free concert. It's not a concert. (laughs) 1.6 <laughs> 1.6 million. Dan, when you're at the back, what are you seeing? <laughs> Tell me. Rod Stewart in Rio in on New Year's Eve, uh, December 31, 1994, had 3.5 million. Dan, they just took the population of the city and they said everyone attended because they put speakers throughout. Dan, how do you even do the acoustics for 3 million people? Do you know what, do you know what the square footage of that? That is madness. <laughs> Where's the footage of this? What is the name of this concert? No, give me the name of this concert. I need to, I need to look this up. Is it Rod Stewart? The, the, look, look New Year's Eve real Rod Stewart. <laughs> I, need to, I need to see this. Hold on. 1993 Rod Stewart. Uh, let's see. There's a 30 second clip. Oh, here's the, here's the, full, here's the full video. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, I'm going to mute it just in case we get taken down. I'm skipping ahead. Okay, so he's got a normal stage. It's not even like a 360 degree stage. There's, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any footage of like the crowd itself, but it's so poorly lit. Okay, here we go. There's some, there's some crowd here. Let's see. Is Rod Stewart on Universal? Let me just make. Let me just make. Yeah, Dan. He's literally performing for the whole city. Like it's 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 just speakers Ew. in the street. 
It's not a concert. So, it sounds, it there's sounds no screen. like a here. <laughs> no, there's no screens, Dan. You know, like, sounds like, you know, like a couple a couple yeah. years ago, we had that, um, the, the tourism fest. There was um, all along um, Sabor Michelle. Was it Sabor Michelle? Okay. Search Metallica Moscow 1991. This sounds like you pushing your Russian propaganda. How is it propaganda? It was a free concert. Yeah, no, that's 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 1.6 million people there. Sure, not How do you go to the time. toilet? <laughs> what? Nah, but I've always dead. I've always wanted. Like when you're in the middle of that mosh pit, bruh, you've got a kilometer of people on either side of you. How do you go to the bathroom? What happens if you faint, dude? Okay, you're. It's not. It's probably not even a kilometer. It's probably multiple kilometers. This is. Why would you attend this? I. I. I this is a. This is a hard pass for me, bro. This is a hard pass for me. This guy. Dude, look at that crowd. I can't believe it. What is. No, guys. Guys, what is. No, man. Who was doing the health and safety at this concert? I need to ask you some serious questions. I need to ask some serious questions. Like, uh, how, let's look. How many people died? Let me, let me go with this. How many people died? <laughs> and the Metallica Moscow. What? <laughs> Why are you assuming that people died? No one was killed. About 500,000 people have what they may call fun. What? What did he say? I'm reading a report. I'm, what? <laughs> Okay, all right. So let me try and understand this Beyonce. Okay. Dad, let's move okay. on. Okay. The queen, the queen is a yes. The queen, snatching wigs, doing her thing. Yes. Okay, cool, 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 cool. But, okay, can someone explain how this is a record? Where's the source? But actually, where is the it, source? If you Google it, it's on every publication. Then it, it probably is. You know, you know, like sometimes we just make a press release. And we just yeah, and, and then, we just send it out, and then everyone just thinks because they, they want to make sure that they push our press release. Yeah, and then there's probably some level of plausible deniability because they're like, "Oh no, record in Belgium." That is, I told something. you, like it's some it's some hyper specific ESPN record, but they didn't put all the details up to how specific that record is. She broke the record for the most concert performance, highest concert attendance between the 15th and the 16th of May at 7:55 p.m. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. All right. So uh, that we're just following up. We we are keeping a keen eye on uh, on uh, that concert tour. Uh, oh, by the way, we already have certain uh, Patreon subscribers who have committed to giving us uh, a blow by blow description of exactly how mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. Beyonce show is going to go. So some some of them uh, binga level patrons might even fly us out there. Look, let's speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. Let's speak it into existence. Um, maybe we'll even be able to interview Beyonce Watch on the podcast. Who knows? We can be, we're quite resourceful, Philip. We'll figure it out. Okay. Um, Phil, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's make the entire episode a Gaga Guy episode. 
I know you don't want to say it and I'll be the villain. It's fine. What? It's just so late, man. We both <laughs> tired. I just, I need to go to sleep, dog. I, it's, I love the listeners, but it's so hard. You guys don't understand. It's so hard. No, it's, it's going so to be worth it, guys. To- We're doing a lot of work right now to make sure that the podcast and in our general lives, you know, are in a better, in a better condition because winter's coming. And it's going to be a cold winter. Trust and believe. Okay. So some Gaga Gaga stories. It's uh Oh, here's a big story here. Um, Vice Media, the one's high-flying media startup that reached a peak valuation of nearly $6 billion, has filed for bankruptcy protection in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the reason this is uh, quite a big deal is because or at least in my opinion. Um, traditional media is struggling. Everything from uh, traditional terrestrial television, radio, uh, print newspapers, etc. Because of digital spaces. So oh, I promise you, in every traditional media house, they looked at Vice as an example of what to do. How can we change our current business model so we can be more like Vice? I can guarantee you that in many, many traditional media houses, that was an example that was looked at. So it is quite surprising to see that, oh, looks like things are not that great for them too. They also um, filed for bankruptcy. Now, if you're, I'm sure you're familiar with Vice. Um, I mean, this digital media. I mean, they had Vice TV, Vice News, uh, and several other um, online spaces like, uh, I think, Refinery29. Hold on, I have them here. Uh, motherboard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, they, they apparently had huge debt and uh, as part of the, the deal to sell, or uh, they're trying to sell the assets as part of that, they had to file for bankruptcy. So um, it's interesting to see that such a huge digital media conglomerate is also struggling. I have theories without be, having super in-depth knowledge of uh, the industry like that. Let's but hear them. Uh, in my understanding, no, in my understanding, it's not that they did anything wrong with their business model. It's that they made some unwise investments in their uh, uh, bid to aggressively expand. I think th- those are um, unwise business decisions, Dan. Yes. Unwise business decisions as opposed to the business model doesn't work. It which does, is a no, bit different that traditional media no longer really works. But the business model of that, that Vice was getting into, it's not that it doesn't work. It's that you you shouldn't take on such big amounts of debt to expand aggressively into unproven and untested waters. The business model doesn't work though as well. Like I'm speaking from this firsthand. I know it. It does not work. Um, and they were expanding rapidly. They they had all those acquisitions. They were doing TV. They were doing HBO content on top of TV. Um. They they were doing um, documentaries that would sit on a third platform. They were just doing way, way, way too much. And no matter what form of journalism you're doing, if it's quality journalism and editorial content, it's expensive. And mm. people no longer value editorial content. Time and time again on this podcast, what do we say? News is now just a photo with some text on it. That That's the news. Shout out to you, Daily Loud, Culture Vultures, and Rap. So 
it, it's a race to the bottom, and it's sad. It's sad to see news news organizations go down, but they also, I think, by allowing themselves to be so heavily funded by Rupert Murdoch, by Disney, they were over leveraged, and now you're you're no longer beholden to your readers; you're beholden to your shareholders, and you're not going to win that battle. It also didn't make much the other sense thing, that Disney, the clean-cut Mickey Mouse organization that refuses to have anything um, risque, would partner with Vice, a publication that I became familiar with in the early 2000s because of the content they'd cover, like alternative sex scenes. Like People forget Vice got its name because it would cover Vices. That's how they started. Um, this this comes shortly after the news of the BuzzFeed news uh, arm of the company of of BuzzFeed shutting down as well. But 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 um, BuzzFeed also didn't. Have, BuzzFeed was really just being being funded by the BuzzFeed founders. It had no business model. It was just like a pet pro. It was like I'm so dedicated to journalism. I'm going to take money out of my pocket to fund you. But it didn't have a business model. Their hope though was that eventually it would be profitable, um, and I think ultimately. And this is a bit of a nerdy discussion. Ultimately, I think advertising as a business model is doomed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is for, true. For, for, for several reasons. Number one, even though advertising growth, uh, advertising revenue does in some situations show growth, it's all Facebook and Google. All is obviously an exaggeration, but my point is like they're taking the huge chunk of it. Um, and any other kind of advertising, ugh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get tougher and tougher and tougher. Um, and, you know, when Zimbabwean gov- uh, companies figure out that, you know... <laughs> that Freudian slip was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> when Zimbabwean companies start figuring out that it actually makes sense to advertise on podcasts, to advertise on websites and social media platforms and through Google, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's already happening. I mean, I see a lot of, lot of ads on my YouTube. Um, uh, Dan, it's three, no, it's three dollars. So here's, a, here's an actual, it's an anecdote, but as to what you're saying. Advertising, I definitely do think it's falling. And the weird thing is the platforms you've mentioned, their ad revenue is now starting to fall. And YouTube is a prime example because that's, AdSense biggest um, market platform for ads. And I pay them 80 rand a month to not see ads. Per person, yeah? No, family plans, 100 rand. But still, like, I think that just shows like, um, once again, Corey Doctorow, and then there's a, there's a, uh, Lane Greenwald, they have great articles about how advertising was doomed to fail and how the current advertising models are, are so uh, insidious. So I'm, what's the word? I, I, I will not miss display ads uh, as that built the internet. And the decision that was made many years ago to make sure that news content was free and placed against ads has proven to not only bite advertisers in the in the butt, but also news organizations in the butt. So 
I can't say I'm going to miss him. The ads part, anyway. I, but it's sad that I, I good journalism I don't, is, is dying. I don't think, I don't think ads are going to disappear. I just think it's not a sustainable business model. No, I'm, I'm talking about the but, format. Ads will always, as long as the capitalism exists yeah. and the need to purchase exists, I believe ads will exist. But I'm talking about the ads that, as as the ads that supported these news platforms, which are normally display retargeting ads centered on cookies. I think those are gone. I think the ads that you're mentioning, like permission-based ads or leveraged ads, like the ads you have on a podcast where, for example, we would not advertise, well, ideally, unless things were really, really bad, we would not advertise a product or a brand we didn't believe in. And we took the time to, to convey the message um, to the audience, much like what radio ads had become. I think those are what show value. But just the generic, hey, you searched for shoes last week. Here's an ad about some sneakers we don't even know you'd be interested in. Or please look at this ad before you look at the content we're about to deliver to you. I think that's dead. There's a, I'm trying to remember, there's a TV show that I watched. Uh, I think it was Altered Carbon. Have you watched Altered Carbon? Dan, I don't have time. I've got five jobs, Dan. I've got five, five jobs. I can't remember which show it was, but it it speaks about a dystopian future and the ad situation is so bad that you literally have to buy ad blockers. You can't leave your house without ad blockers. And these are like on, on your person, whether it's glasses or whatever, because the entire world is just blasting ads in your face, which is somewhat ridiculous. But that was like their, their their depiction of what the future will look like. I don't think ads will disappear. Ah, crap. I forgot to change my fantasy team. Anyway, I don't think ads will disappear. But um, as a business model, I, I don't believe content and media can survive with advertising as your business model. Obviously, you have to look at maybe subscriber revenue. But then... You can't have a million different things looking for subscriber revenue from the same customer base. It's so it's probably going to end up into bundled subscriptions, which is basically cable TV or it's ridiculous. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how things go. I mean, to, to, to bring it back to me, uh, someone with first-hand experience. And for those of you that don't know, when we were running the blog, we were literally, and this is no exaggeration. We're doing a million uniques a month and you'd tell that to someone and it'd be an eye-popping figure. And when we convert that to ads, there was a time I think we experimented with Google Ads and we stopped because A, it was such a bad experience for our reader, but we weren't making any real money off it. So when you see people who who are making decent money off it, you see what they have to do to get to that level, which is tens of posts a day. There's no way you can produce those those posts um, editorially. So you're stealing content. You're creating fake content. You're sensationalizing headlines. You're creating clickbait. It's a race to the bottom because once you do it, everyone else starts doing it. So your ad revenue is also going to diminish because now the market becomes saturated and it just continues to spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral. And and we're seeing it across the board. Like, have you seen how cheap it is to get a billboard these days, Dan? Mm. Yeah, someone was literally offering us billboards. Mm-hmm. Pennies on the dollar. I was I was laughing at some of these these blog platforms because obviously I run an agency, so we inquire, we keep a database where 
two years ago when they were feeling themselves, they were like, I know $150 for a post, this, that, that, blah, 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 blah. This past week, they were calling and begging, like, yo, Une 20, Dukpa 5. <laughs> so that's emblematic of how Aish. bad things are. But yeah, man. Vice, we're going to miss you, dog. We're going to miss you. I think... I I mean, it's still going to exist, right? But obviously, I think owner subtraction... Unless this is a, a, a clever ploy to regain... I'm forgetting his name. For the founder to regain ownership... Um, and, uh, and and have his investors divest, that might might be a play. But obviously, that now means that the content that they produced is no longer the same. So what's going to happen to all the the editorial documentaries that they do? What's going to happen to the HBO program? What's 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 going to happen to their station? I mean, RIP Jesus and Mero, another thing that you guys were involved in is gone. <laughs> it's tough, man. Listen, if you are in some kind of business that is in- involving advertising revenue, it's not yet the end, but it's going to get harder and harder, man. That's what she said. It's getting tougher and tougher. Mm. So, y'all. Um, all right. Ga, ga, ga. Philip, ga, ga, ga. This whole episode is ga, ga, ga. Let's go. Next thing to discuss. Hey, there was a very interesting article in Enthuse Magazine. Shout out to Steph. What's going on? Um... With this title, are Zimbabwean music award shows out of touch with the art they are meant to celebrate? And we thought this would be an interesting discussion point since we've been talking a lot about uh, music award shows recently. Um, so in this article, she no, mentioned several... Dan. Just wrote it, not Steph. Oh, he. Sorry, sorry. Shout out to Tafadza. I just assumed it was Steph. My bad. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. Um... She mentioned several award shows that seem to be missing he, out on some key, that, very obvious. He. That is so tired. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be mentioning <laughs> several things that seem, several seemingly obvious things that Zimbabwean award shows seem to be missing out on. For example, things like the Zimas leaving out some. Big names. Only 10 volts, Winky D. Um, the Namas and several other Zimbabwean shows. Um, and I think, I mean, without getting too too deep into, into these things, I think it's good to remember that anyone can start and run an awards show. We could just decide tomorrow, Phil, and we've got enough cloud to say, you know what? We're going to do the TB, 2BT Music Awards. We make an awards night. We invite all the people that we know uh, uh, will come through so that it gets enough uh, um, media attention. And we just decide who the winners of each category are. And we'll just sit there and say, yeah, the best hip hop in the country is blah, blah, blah. Then that, pati- that particular artist will then start saying, winner of the 2BT Music Award in 2023. And then just like that, all of a sudden, your awards show has a certain level of relevance in cloud. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that there's no need for awards shows. My point is, I don't think music awards are what most people think they are. They are not necessarily a true reflection of the art, nor the consumption of the art. Rather someone, in many cases, it's people who have good intentions and who are doing good things. So it's no hate against them. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, we've, we've often criticized the Zim Hip Hop Awards here. 
But Beefy loves hip-hop. So here he is trying to create this awards show and recognition to certain artists that wouldn't get recognized on the more mainstream awards. But that, that does not necessarily mean it's a reflection of what the art is or what consumption patterns are of the art. And I think it's just a good reminder that someone somewhere with a certain level of clout and a certain level of uh, influence in the industry decided to come, maybe partner with a couple other people and offer awards. And that's what most, of, uh, that's what most awards shows are. There's a few that are obviously tied to, to government and regulatory institutions like the NAMAs, especially the, basically the National Arts Council. So you can expect that there's a, a little bit more of, air quotes, national interest involved. But as a general rule, awards shows are just someone who just put together something that caught on. So it's just a reminder that, hey, it's nice to get an award. For example, the Two Broke Timbos are the proud holders of a Zima, the virtual proud holders of a, a Zima award. But... Dan, why don't we ask Fungai to give us our award? Statute of limitations, Phil. No, Dan, we're old. We can, I'll pay for it. It's fine. I just want the award, bro. They pay. Why? I'm put it on the it's Eight years I'm ago, a, Phil. I'm going to give my mother. My, my mother does not know what I do for a living. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would say we do this for a living, but... <laughs> You know, it's not and, really a living. But, but Shout yeah. out to our Patreon subscribers. Though. But Tafazo raised some, some valid points in that. And it, I don't think you're incorrect, but I think there's also another side to the argument, which is um, award shows, no matter what their, their name is, it gives you a level of credibility. Because if if I'm looking you up or you are you, I'm sent your bio and it's littered with nominations and awards, I might not know of the awards because I may not be from Zimbabwe. I'm not familiar with the market. And, excuse me. Even in certain in certain respects, Zimbabweans aren't even aware about some of, of the legitimacy or the import of some of these awards. They'll just see an award and be like, oh my gosh, wow. You know what I mean? And that is the thing, especially when it's a long-running award show. Because the longer an award show runs, it cements it within the culture. So at a certain point, Award shows need to strike a balance between having people follow their rules and reaching out to artists. And that's the argument here. And that's the main complaint that these artists have is they they were nominated. The Zimas released a statement and said people that submitted within time were considered. If you did submit, did not submit in time, then you were not considered. Which it's fair and fine to have that rule, but it's not always practical. Simply because, and this is a major headache that I have, Zimbabwean managers are terrible. You know? Yeah. There's that. So basically, not, you've, not, put, you've put in place a rule that means your awards are not going to be a true reflection of what they claim to be. Exactly. And even, even if, the, if you want to maintain that, what I would then say is, you should ideally have an artist liaison of sorts. That yeah that then reaches, like, as a, as the deadline approaches, we'll, you look through the nominees and you're like, hey guys, wait a minute. We've got a best podcast category here. We see that two Broke Trumpers have nominated. We're in touch with the streets. We know that these guys have a good podcast that has a following. Let's reach out to them and just say, hey guys, if you can, please uh, submit your, your nominations. 
We're not guaranteeing you anything, but to ensure that we've covered the gamut and we've made sure there's a fair representation of the industry, we would like for you guys to submit your nomination. I don't think that's too hard of a thing. That, that's literally just one message. And you could have an individual, or just even from the Zima account, just to message Holy Chen and say, hey, we've noticed you haven't received your submission. You do, we've checked, you are, you, are um, you do qualify, you are eligible, please submit. So for consideration, I don't think, I don't think that's, a str- I don't think that's an unreasonable ask, Dan. I mean, are we assuming that that didn't happen? I, I would then say, if that is indeed what happened, if I were running any of these award shows, particularly the Zimas, because they're obviously top of mind, I would then add that to my statement and say, hey guys, we operate on a no submission, no nomination uh, entry. However, we did our best to reach out to all the artists mm. we felt would best represent nominees within this category. If they dispute that, they are more than likely to reach out to us and, and we can address it in the future. But as far as you're concerned, we reached out to the artists that we felt should be nominated within this category. They chose mm. not to do so because Holy Ten and Vault Lord being nominated is very different to Tanto Wavy saying, I don't want to submit for awards. But, but you see, the problem with that is it's almost an admission of irrelevance. It's it's not. It's a it's an it's an. Admi- I, I can't say, I can't say, we claim to be the most prestigious award in music, but the artists who deserve to be nominated don't want to be involved. That's Dan, so yeah. Then I'll tell you right now, all award shows work like like the Grammys work that way. They just don't do it that. Way. They do it in different ways. They might not do it over Instagram. Trust and believe. They'll go to the artists that they want to be nominated or they'll want to consider and they'll be like, hey, please make sure you consider this or please make sure you submit. And I can also- Which is fair. And I, 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 I understand why they do the whole submission situation. And it's, it's because there's several reasons. One, you want buy-in from the artists themselves. So if they submit, you get, you, that's automatic buy-in. Secondly, you don't want to make um, unilateral decisions. You want to give that air of, um, of transparency and the air of uh, we are in touch with the, with, the, with the industry. We didn't just do this on our own. So I understand why they may want to include or to ask for artists to submit. But I, I think there's the, uh, a solution you mentioned works, which is reach out to said artists and make sure that the ones who best represent what you're trying to award are part of the team that's nominated. However, I, would, I still think that's a, I think it's a bandage solution to a gaping wound of a problem. It so, may work for now, but in general, I think there has to be a way, and I don't have the answer now, but there has to be a way that if we are saying the best music video in the country, if you say only if they submit, that negates that claim. The best male artist in the I, country. But, but, but that's my point, is to ensure that, that that never happens. You should have people who but, are in touch with the culture, who know what's going on. Because submissions also do assist with one thing is... 
it's very difficult to not see the big artists, which is why it's an issue, right? Holy Ten, Vaults, Winky. Those, those are, those are the, the peer leaders of their, their genres. So for, for them not to be nominated is a massive omission. However, submissions give the smaller artists an opportunity who might be artistically talented but don't have the audience yet. And that nomination uh, at the awards is going to raise their profile. Being mentioned in the same light as any of these other established artists, whatever category they're in, is going to raise their profile, increase their listenership. The opportunity to attend the awards and network is going to further their career. So that's where submissions are necessary because it makes sure that the, the artists that are hungry, looking for those opportunities and are smart enough to seek them out, get it, right? But at the same thing, we've also got to be pragmatic here. Award shows are not a charity event. The Zimas are not a charity event. We know this because at the bottom of the Zima poster is a whole row of sponsors. It's a commercial endeavor. And because it's a commercial endeavor, you want to ensure that you are putting forth the best product. If it's a TV show, if it's an award, or even just an in-person award show, Dan, do you sell more tickets if people know Winky D is attending slash performing at your award show? Do you have more viewers watching your live stream on TV if people know Winky D is attending slash performing at that event? Yes or no? Of course. Of so course. if it's a commercial endeavor, which it is, and I think... That's the thing that, that's the elephant in the room that we aren't addressing. You should be doing your best to ensure the commercial endeavor succeeds. This is why the Grammys lobby for Beyonce to attend. And when they get confirmation that she's attending, they market the hell out of the fact that Beyonce is attending the Grammys. Not because she's going to get snubbed for album of the year to Harry Styles, because the Beehive just want to catch a glimpse of Beyonce sitting front seat. That's why the seating was done the way it was. Beyonce was put right there, front and center, because she is box office. The same thing in Zimbabwe. Holy would be box office. Winky is box office. So as a commercial endeavor, why aren't you doing that? Because, and that's, it's part of the problem, but then it's also confusing to me. It's like, in, the, in, in art, or in the industry rather, there's, there, there are two sometimes parallel ideals or parallel thought processes, which is art creation and creating the best art possible and co commercial endeavors and creating commercial art. Sometimes they don't intersect. On very rare occasions, they do intersect. But as an award show, they're straddling a fine line where they're trying to skate on both. They're trying to say, we're, we're trying to give you guys the best um, quality, qualitative art but as adjudicated by our respected judges. And if our judges don't know their thing, it's not going to value art because now the consumer and the viewer is going to be like, wait a minute, this, this doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? And on the flip side is you're a commercial entity. So you, you A, you want to get viewers, you want to sell tickets and you want to maximize sponsorship. I don't see how on the, on the commercial front, in terms of selling tickets, viewership and sponsorship, why you aren't getting the biggest names there. Would it not make more sense if you went to the, the key sponsor and say, hey guys, we've ensured that the biggest names in every category are attending slash nominated for the awards. That's going to generate buzz because every press release that goes out, it's going to have your brand in it with positive mentions. As it stands, there's, there's mention of these awards, but it's not always positive. 
Now, if I'm a brand manager, I'm looking that I'm like, wait a minute, guys, what value am I getting by attaching my brand's name to your product? You that's kind of saying? my point, Phil. Yeah, that's, I'm saying all of that, a simple solution is to take away the requirement to submit. I'm not saying do away with submission because like you said, Phil, there's plenty of artists who probably deserve yeah. some level of rec- recognition. Allow submission. Mm-hmm. It could be in one of two ways. It could be there are several categories that are specifically for submission. Um, or it could just be a case of you're welcome to submit in case we've overlooked you or we haven't seen your art or you believe you, you stand a chance in ABC category. Correct. But Correct. we know that a, these are the artists because if you're saying it's different to some other uh, um, music categories, which are simply celebrating music. If you're saying, mm. according to the biggest music awards show in the country, this is the best male artist in Zimbabwe this year. That means, to be fair, it means it's probably not going to be an underground artist. Mm-hmm. Because best, surely one of, the, one of the, the prerequisites is not just the artistic talent, but also the commercial success. Like you mentioned, it has to be both of them. So if you're saying the best in the country, I mean, you're not going to, it's not going to be a case of this was an unknown person. Here's what I think must happen for awards shows. Number one, the people involved must be or must be very closely aligned to and in collaboration with people in the industry, people plugged in, mm. not just the commercial. It shouldn't just, let me put it this way. Um, the commercial side of the show is important. I just hate the idea of people sitting in a boardroom saying, okay, we've got the awards show coming up. We need to make sure that Japreza and Winky D are there. Nominate them. At the same time, I hate the idea of it's just someone who's all about the art who's sitting there like, nah, we need to stop with just having those two artists only. There's this amazing artist in my hood. Man, he just performs in the garage, but he's incredible. That should be the best artist in the country. Make sure he's nominated. Those are two extremes that I don't want to see. But that's why you have, that's why you have a middle. board. The board will negate that because even if those extremes exist, ideally the board should then find, um, what's the word? Hey, my brain is a off. Balance. I'm so tired. We should find quorum. <laughs> balance. The board should find quorum in the, somewhere in the middle or close to the middle. Yes, exactly. That's it. So number one, take away the requirement to submit. I don't think it works especially in this day and age when there's so many different award ceremonies and artists are beginning to get a little bit of an attitude about awards. Let's be honest. So many of them have said, ah, bruh, awards, hey, G-G-G-G-G. So if it's a requirement to submit, most of the, I believe Ja Praiser recently said uh, um, that he was no longer going to be submitting for awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but I, I feel like I, I saw that somewhere at some point where his whole, his whole thing is, nah, nah, the, all these awards shows are trying to use me. I'm no longer going to submit for awards. So many artists have said this. So rather than doing this whole submit for awards situation, number one, you need to prove your uh, um, uh, legitimacy and you have to, I mean, you're going to have to invest in making sure that this is going to be on all the platforms, on TV, on radio, and nah, nah, nah. so it, it actually is a big deal. Therefore, you can then persuade the major artists to also be part of it. And then also uh, now you're, you're, and about whether you're selecting the right or the wrong, that's all subjective best artist in the country, one board might vote for one and another board might vote for another and we can debate till, 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 till day's end. And I don't think that's too big an issue. I think the biggest issue is how can you leave out some obvious nominees? So, yeah, I, I would say that 
um, key takeaways, key takeaways, drop the requirement for submission. Encourage submission, but drop the requirement. And then like Phil said, you absolutely need an artist liaison to make sure that those artists are involved in the whole process. Indeed, indeed. Um, I think just the last thing is the music industry is already so incestuous. I don't want, I, I, I would prefer if there was some separation between church and state with regards to the people that are involved in the nominations and awarding of awards. I do think they should know of the industry, but they shouldn't actually be part of it because as we've seen, there's so much room for people's agendas to creep into awards. And I, I don't think there's a perfect solution, but but yeah, I think all we can do is just offer, offer this so that things become better because by forcing people to to nominate, I do think, yeah, it doesn't make sense as a hard and fast rule. I think nominations should be part of, but not the only way to be nominated mm. or to submit. Because submissions, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It 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 just yeah. We are no tired, sense. Philip. Ga ga ga, Philip. Let's go. <laughs> I'm okay. I've got Let's a second go. win. I've, I've 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 hit my second win. I'm now a meme, Dan. I'm a I'm a second win. <laughs> Phil is a meme. In case you're wondering, no. The, <laughs> the thing, the thing. I I I I I wrote the caption. Someone just took a screenshot and then cropped my face from it, and, and then oh my, it's just anyway, it's fine. You know, at least at least I'm a meme among some of the finest marketers in Zimbabwe. You know, thought leaders. You know, the movers and shakers. Well, welcome, Phil. I've been a meme before. It's uh, no, an no, space. No, you you are an actual. You are yeah, dead. Yeah. <laughs> are you on a tear? Those are good. Those are good three. Those are good three photo run. You are you are killing the game. You're killing. Let me, me. let me tell you guys something. That's what you need to remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ga, 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 let's move on to our next story. Um, hey, this, you know what? We should, we should actually have dealt with this as a follow-up to last week's discussion. Uh, celebrity Sango Mamkulu Romeo is fuming. Uh, this oh, came into our... By dude, the, I, I then, hold on. Before you even out. finish this, dude, dude man, I'm not saying nothing about the Sango, my bro. I'm just saying that right now. I'm not, I'm not saying nothing about no Sango on a public platform. <laughs> I'm not doing that. What we said last week. I've got enough problems in my life. I am not inviting more issues. You know what I mean? I'm not. We'll, don't worry. We'll, we'll recruit Boiti to protect us. <laughs> then there can be a battle of Sangomas. <laughs> Celebrity Sangomas. <laughs> anyway, last week, if you recall, we spoke about how ideas are free. Um, yes, it is possible to steal ideas, but as a general rule, it's not what people think. Just coming up with an idea doesn't mean anything. Ideas are free. Um, anyway, uh, it, it, there was a great discussion about this in our, our uh, Patreon WhatsApp group and someone brought up this story and uh, it's great. This is a Patreon sub- submitted story um, of the celebrity Sangoma, uh, Mkulu Romeo, who is fuming after popular chicken franchise KFC allegedly stole his quarter idea. He named it Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky Spatio. Guys. <laughs> Dan, um, in unrelated news, I don't know if you've heard, um, I'm suing McDonald's for, for, for stealing my sad and beans concept. Um, <laughs> guys, ideas are free. <laughs> if you if you went to KFC and said I have a brilliant idea for your menu, it's Sadza ni Madora. 
And then KFC puts Sadza and Madora on the menu. They don't owe you nothing, man. They don't owe you nothing. <laughs> you know, you didn't invent Sadza and Madora. You didn't copyright it or patent it or... Why am I saying copyright? Patent it or... or nothing. Trademark it, whatever. You just thought of a combination of things and thought about KFC. They don't owe you nothing. Perhaps if you were to say, listen, guys, I have this incredible idea. I'm going to supply you with ABC that I get from here. It costs this much. And if you, for every this many that you sell, I'm going to claim this much from you. And I believe you can sell it for this much. And I'd like to start next week. And they're like, you know what? Let's go ahead with it. Then you have an idea and you've implemented it and you're going to make money. So, yeah. Anyway, that was just a quick follow-up there. So, uh, let, me, let me hold on, Dan. Yeah. Before you think, sorry. I'm sorry. I had, I, I had a, a passage from the article. I can't find it in the article, so I, I'm just going to look where I bookmarked it here because, you know me. So, <clears throat> here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a quote from the, the, the Steam Sankoma. I was shocked that they were suing that they were suing me then because keep in mind, after he, 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 he saw that they'd quote-unquote stolen his idea, he posted about it on Facebook and then KFC sued him um, for, for defamation. And then in response to that lawsuit that they filed, he says, I was shocked that they were suing me. But now they are advertising our idea. I feel like this is unnecessary. We could have just collaborated. If you check all over the world where KFC is conducting its business, they incorporate the local dish to their menu. So that is what inspired me. So <laughs> in, in the streets, we call this self-snitching. Or in, in the court case, we might call this, um, you've literally destroyed your own case. You've already proven that KFC have already set a precedent of incorporating local dishes in South Africa, which means when you told them which local dish to use in South Africa, it was not a novel concept because they've been doing it already. Secondly, the dish that you propose that they use is not your invention. Quotas are everywhere. Not only that, your inspiration was from them. So why they should would, be suing you? So this is actually um, this reminded me of something. So on earlier this week, I gave a I, I gave a, a a lecture at my my old school, and I was speaking to first year students who are looking to break into the entertainment industry, and they were they were asking about this. And one artist, one one of the students was like, "Hey, I've got this great idea for an ad for for Red Bull. How do I approach them?" So I was like, "Okay, let's." Let me not shoot you down. Let me let me let me let me break this down to you in in a real world sense, and let me be the brand manager and you be the pitcher. So let's let's do a role play. And he said, "Okay, I've got this idea for Nad." I was like, "Okay, cool." Do you have a storyboard? Uh, what's the storyboard? I was like, "So you don't have a storyboard?" Okay, cool. So you don't have a storyboard. All right. How big is your agency? Um, I don't have an agency. So. If if I greenlit this, how are you going to execute this idea? No, I I would just um give you the concept. I was like, okay, do you have a script? No. Have you ever written a script? No. Okay. Now, my role play with you is over because as far as a brand manager is concerned, I've now dismissed you because you've proven you don't have what it takes. Now, think of it practically. If you're an individual approaching an, a large corporate like KFC, which falls under Yum Brands. And I know this because I used to work for an agency that worked for Yum Brands. Let me tell you how they work or any other of these global corporates work. They already have agencies in market 
and sometimes out of market. And they have regional agencies. And these regional agencies are paid a lot of money to develop creative campaigns and assets for that brand. A brand manager, their job is to monitor the agency because their job isn't necessarily to create. Their job is to handle the admin. How much have we spent? Has that spent resulted in an increase in sales or decrease in sales? Which markets are we failing to penetrate? Which markets are we not penetrating in? And they offload a lot of the creative stuff to an agency because that's their job. By, by, by nature of design, as a brand manager, all I'm looking at is reports and spreadsheets all day. I've got no time for creative stuff. As creative as I may be, I may give a brief to an agency to execute on my behalf. So that being said, if you come to me as a brand manager with any idea, what you are essentially saying is you have an agency that are failing to execute. I want to take over as that agency. I now have to make a business decision. How do I go to my board and justify spend on you when we've already recruited an agency? Keep in mind, finding an agency for a brand is a lengthy process. There's compliance checks. There's site visits. They look at your previous work in your portfolio. ETC, ETC, ETC. So in general, and this just goes out to any of our listeners. If you have what you think is a great idea, do not under any circumstances pitch it to a brand. A, they don't have the capacity to do it. Or B, they do have the capacity and the incentive to steal it from you and not compensate you for it. Because even if they wanted to compensate you, how would they do it? They would have to restructure their whole corporate, the whole corporate layout to accommodate just you, no matter how brilliant that idea is. Unless it's an incredible, Incredible idea. And this is like the call me back idea. In that instance, go to court, get your money, my guy. But anything else, don't do it. If your idea is so good, start executing it on your own and build your own agency or build your own following. Then they'll come to you. So, so in line with what Phil is saying, he has a practical, if, a practical step. If you have an incredible idea for a brand like KFC, Find out the agency that does advertising for KFC. Approach that agency and ask them if you can execute said idea for them. That is, you're probably still likely not going to get it, but that is a more likely scenario than you going to KFC and saying, I've got an idea for y'all. If you're playing golf with the CEO of a brand and you're like, man, I just came up with an idea for y'all. If you can persuade him that it's a good idea, in which case you'll have to tell him what the idea is, the next step is to persuade him that you're the person who's right to implement that idea. But you know, George is going to say, even if he like, even let's just, let's just say like you're dealing with the most upright, honest, like non-cutthroat CEO in the world. And he's like, yeah, we know this. Yeah. This idea you just gave me for this thing. I love it. You know, the, first, the next thing he's going to say is, Let's have a meeting with my brand manager or my marketing manager or my sales and marketing team or my agency. Because that's, ideally, that's what he's going to do. He, he, as the CEO, is not going to spend his time or does not have the resources to execute that ad idea. He has to then um, delegate that to someone whose job it is. And by doing that, now you've got something on the office politics. You've now undermined them. You've now, essentially, your brilliant idea makes them look bad because why didn't they come up with it first? So now they're making a business decision. Do I need to protect my job or do I need to make, make this ad work? Hmm. You know what I mean? 
and I don't think people consider this. I had a very interesting meeting uh, this week. You know what? I'm, I'm going to mention it. I'm not going to mention names, but so there's a very talented artist. This talented artist has a team um, and a manager. And they initially they had come because they had been referred by a brand because I managed that brand. And I told them, okay, guys, let me break this down for you. This is what you guys need. This is what's going on. So have you guys done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Okay, you guys haven't done your homework. You can't come here um, or go to the brand manager and just say, please support me. You have to quantify it. You have to have numbers. You have to, you have to show the ability to increase sales, to, to add value, to even execute. That's another thing. Like, If you are given budget, executing is hard, guys. And I think people don't understand that. Like you can have all the talent in the world. You can have the budget, but to execute and manage and manage a team and handle resources, is extremely difficult. So outside of that, they then were, were trying to see how I could assist them. And they came to me and they're like, yo, can you assist? And I was like, okay, guys, I run a business. Let me break it down to you. And I'm going to be very frank and very honest. And I asked them some very pointed questions about how many streams they did, how many shows they did, etc., etc. And when I was asking him these questions, I was like, you know, before you answer me, let me tell you. Because I, I know the industry. I know the business. You, you generated this much, around this much last year. You did about, about this many shows. So you did this much, this much, this much. And he's like, I was like, am I right or wrong? He's like, you're actually surprisingly correct. I'm like, okay, cool. So if you generated that much, how much are you going to pay me? And they gave me a figure. And I was like, guys, the figure that you've just quoted, which is a substantial amount of the revenue, does not pay my rent. I'm not talking about salaries. I'm not talking about equipment. I'm not even talking about my hourly rate. I'm simply talking about rent. So you are not at the level where you need to be partnering with me. What you need to be doing is A, B, C, D, E. And they were like, okay, you know what? We see you, but you know, can we, can we, come, can we meet up with you again and take this conversation further? I was like, I bet. Cool. No problem. They then happened to call me during this week and I was at the office. So, I'm at the office and they pitch up there, which keep in mind, um, the, the other job at the office, it's a very corporate environment. It's very casual, but it's still a corporate environment. You know, you've, you've, you've got to pass through the CFO's office and the, the, the CEO's office and so forth. So, you know, and they came hip, hip hopped out, like even more hip hop <laughs> than me. Right. And sad to say, I think the manager might have been inebriated. I didn't say anything at the time, but I was just like, mm. so I was like, okay, let's sit down. Let's have this conversation. I right, cool. So first question I said was, you called the meeting. What do you want to discuss? And they were like, oh, the manager was like, oh, we thought like we would further the conversation about how you could help us or how we could work together based on what we said last time. And I was like, okay, what has changed since the last time we had the conversation? Like nothing. So I was like, okay. So I'm failing to understand what's going on here, guys. What, okay, so what, what, what have you done to address the fact that you aren't generating enough money? Nothing. So I was like, okay, so what do you want me to do? They're like, oh, we'd like you to further our music or, or push the music. I was like, but how? Long story short is they hadn't asked themselves the right questions before the meeting. They came to the meeting grossly underprepared and... They, they simply were expecting answers to questions I wasn't asking. It's questions they should have asked themselves. And because they came with someone that I respect, and I'll tell who it is, Dan Off Air, 
I was like, listen, the only reason I'm having this meeting is because you came with this person. But let me, let me be kind to you and tell you what's going on. I actually like you guys. I like this artist. But I'm annoyed because you've wasted my time. Now, if you are having meetings and you're wasting my time, I'm guaranteeing you're wasting the time of other people that you're meeting. And every time you have a bad meeting, all you're doing is devaluing the brand and making, quote-unquote, enemies. But at least making people that don't want to meet you again. So when you're approaching a brand or an agency or anyone, have your agenda in place. Figure out what it is that they do. Do some research. See what you're doing and see how you can synergize. I hate it's a buzzword, but it, it, it rings true. Synergize and add value. If you're not adding value, then what are we doing? That's the, the, that's the whole thing. The only reason anyone ever wants to do business with anyone is to add value. Am I wrong with that? No. I was going to, when you were done, this is actually what I was going to say. Just it's general advice, not just to artists, not just any any business, any work. And it feels weird me speaking like this as if I've made some kind of significant uh, financial success in my life. I mean, I mean, I have not. But I have learned a few lessons. And uh, it's essentially what you were saying. The, uh, the, the ultimate word is value. If you are going for a meeting or if you're engaging someone or you're speaking to someone or you're looking for an investor, a partner, whatever the case is, what you need to appeal to is their self-interest. You know what you want. Before the meeting, find out what they want. It could be money. It could be growth. It could be expansion. It could be whatever. It could be networking. Whatever it is, is their interest. And then figure out how you, your business, your connections, your whatever it is, can expand that theirs. So for example, if this person had approached you, Philip, and said, listen, I'm currently not earning the amount that will allow me to pay you what you need. But this is what I have available to me. I have access to these, these, these audiences. If you're able to help me, I can do ABC for you. Uh, on top of that, I, will, I, will, I know you do some events. If you partner with me, um, I will do uh, all your events for the whole year free, up to 10 events. And on top of that, you know what I mean? Now you're thinking about what does Phil want that I can give him for his self-interest for me to get what I need from him. Of course, that person would have to do their research and figure out what that is. And now you have a meeting where you're now actually saying, okay, you guys don't have enough to pay me, but I do need artists to perform at such and such an event. And I need someone to do this for this client that I have. You know what? And now that I'm looking at your numbers, I think I could help you double those numbers by next year so that you can afford to. You know what I mean? Now you're having a conversation where each one is looking at their self-interest. The worst thing you can do in that kind of meeting is help me, please. That is the worst thing you can do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and Dan mentioned something that I asked and I was so disappointed. I was like, okay, do you know who your fans are? And they were like, yeah, they're this people. I was like, no, no. Do you know who they are? Do you have their names? Do you have their numbers? Who's bought tickets to your shows? Do you know them? No. So you do not know who your fans are. You know, you know people that attended your shows sporadically, but you do not know who your fans are. And Everything that we do, we do from experience. Um, as Dan mentions, we do this podcast for fun, but this, this podcast is a great exercise for both Dan and I, but particularly me. I, I can't speak for Dan, but in educating myself and keeping myself abreast with how to develop content, how to edit content, how to distribute content, how to build a community, how to build an audience, 
how 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 to to network, how to send out engaging newsletters. There's a lot of stuff that this podcast allows me to do. Just without like just as a as a training ground, and I love doing it. Like I'm a weird person, Dan. You know, like I am. Um, Monday, I couldn't. I went to bed at like maybe ten, and I woke up at three a.m. Couldn't sleep, and I was like, you know, screw it, I'm going to work. And because it was three a.m., no one is awake. My phone was not going off. I was able to get in six hours of just solid, uninterrupted work, and I was sleep deprived. But I was, I was so happy, and I was like. I've just spent six hours going through a CRM sheet, spreadsheets, emails, newsletters, data insights and reports. And I am as happy as a pig in dirt. I am not a normal person. But that is what I love to do. And if someone comes to me and, and asks me those questions, I will answer them gladly because that's what I love to do. So if you love that or if you find a similar passion especially like if you're an artist and you and you love creating the art you should love the things that go in behind the scenes to make the art like to me my favorite it's a it's a weird thing but like my, my favorite thing when I, when, I, when I was younger Dan was I would sit down on a Saturday or Sunday and I'd go through my iTunes library I'd go to the artist tab or the album tab I'd tap on it so it'd show me all the blank all the songs with, with, with no artist information or album information, I'd right click and get info and I'd spend the whole afternoon just adding the metadata. Going on YouTube, oh, there's the artwork thing, download that one, it's 500 by 500, perfect. Drag and drop that. <laughs> I used to do that as well. Clearly there's something wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm sorry, that's not normal behavior. Ah, and then you then you change your, your view, you know, you change your view to that like that that sliding album thing on iTunes, and I'd be so satisfied just seeing oh, all the album oh, slide so across. Nice. I, I I had a I had a, <laughs> a a folder for album art, which was broken down into years, and then I broke it down into genres. You know, Dan, if you were a woman, we'd date. You know, you know. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, no. those were. Anyway, we are pedantic. Look, Phil, we've, t- we've, we've turned into one of those podcasts. Mm-hmm. No, the thing is, the thing is, you need to wake up at 3 a.m. Exactly. You need to go exactly. to bed at 4 exactly. a.m. No, guys, get your You need sleep. to go to bed at 4 a.m., but wake up at 3 a.m. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Exactly, because people don't realize. People don't <laughs> <laughs> what people don't realize, what people don't realize is sleep, sleep mm-hmm. is actually the poor man's waking up. No, but I think ultimately, um, this isn't a business podcast. We don't try to be a business podcast, but we obviously have listeners that are in business and so forth. And I think those that know already know, but if if you're still a young person or you haven't realized this, preparing for a meeting is more important than the actual meeting. If you get to a meeting and you've mapped out what you want to discuss, you've done your research, you, you've gone through variables, which is another thing like scenario mapping. That's something that I found incredibly valuable in, in meetings. Like, okay, if I'm meeting with Dan, and I want to pitch Dan a TV show. If he says yes, am I prepared for him to say yes? And if he says yes, this is what I'm asking for. And what I'm asking for, this is my ceiling, this is my floor. These are the negotiating points that I want to discuss. If he says no, am I, am I willing to take that no as a hard no? Is it a soft no? Can I try to make that no into a yes? Can I ask him a question and say, okay, why are you saying no right now if you don't mind asking? Like, is there anything I can do to, to revise my proposal so that if I come back to you, how can that no become a yes? You know what I mean? If you do that, trust me, you will, you will see a world of difference. You'll be surprised 
how easy it is sometimes to get the things you want if you're just prepared. If, if you go in with the attitude of, oh, let's just have the meeting and, 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 and see. But you'll be surprised. I've been noticing it myself this past, this past year. I've been intentionally taking meetings, preparing and planning for them. I'm like, yo, snap, I just closed. Like, I closed the, wow, I did, wow, okay. Huh. Yeah, the, the other thing I would add to that is, um, it seems a little bit obvious, but I found that to most people it's not obvious. Have a clear understanding of what you want. Don't go in there thinking, let's see what happens. Go in there thinking, this is the outcome that I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Before, before you go into that, that meeting, of course, you also have to know what does the other person want that I can either offer or that I can discuss for us to get to this outcome. So I, I've also started doing that, by the, by the way, in meetings where I've been a little bit deliberate about stating my position and the outcome that I want. And this is normally with people who take meetings with me. Um, it's a different kettle of fish, obviously, when I'm the one who's asking or pitching or who asked for a meeting. But if someone takes a meeting with me and if I've agreed to the meeting, it means I see there's a potential value there. So right at the beginning of the meeting, thank you for coming in. Okay, here's the situation. This is what you offered in the email. This is what I want from you. Is that something that can happen? And that, that makes such a... Uh, it, it, I like having clear outcomes as a discussion, not sort of, you know, airy-fairy, pie-in-the-sky kind of, yeah, we can synergize completely. Trust, trust like, me. What do you want? Those airy-fairy synergized conversations never lead to anything. And that's another yeah. thing is sometimes people take, um, say yes because they, they don't want to say no and seem like a bad person. But trust me, those yeses that are, are, are hesitant, it's going to show in your work. It's going to show in how you show up. And ultimately, it's going to affect your perception because people are going to be like, Dan or Phil aren't serious or they're not good at this when they said they could or they said they could deliver this, but they couldn't. Not because you can't, but because you weren't motivated to do so. And that's even more relevant now, especially I think in Zim. It's part of the reason why I had to shift my whole business model. Um, so we'll discuss that on another podcast at another time, but it's because everything where it become a race to the bottom, you start taking on clients you don't want to work with simply because you're just like, yo, I've got to, I got to pay salaries another month. Okay. How am I going to pay salaries? Let me just take on this. Let me, let me take this, this contract here. And you hate every moment of it. And because you hate every moment of it, you're not delivering. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Philip. Um, hey, let's skip the rest of this, man. Let's get to music. What else is going on? Ah, no, damn. We got to, we, we've got to discuss what happened. I... On, on the, mother, the mother's name below, I think, was hilarious. So, uh, long we story. That. <laughs> we, can, oh, that was... we, we can talk about that. That was quite funny. <laughs> Let me start off by, 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 by telling the story. So then we can discuss. The headline in sight, uh, start of the people at sight, is rip-off. Mother's Day event fails to live up to its top billing. A top-notch Mother's Day event organized by True Elegance Restaurant in Bulawayo turned disastrous as some guests allegedly suffered from food poisoning after they consumed substandard food at the event. The event, which was held at the Euphoria Gardens, attracted over 520 guests and featured live music performances from Jay's Marbani, Tandabani Women's Ensemble, and Tandishlana. This is organized by uh, Ms. Pasentia Vundla. Uh, keep in mind, tickets for this event were $70. There are a lovely array of photos of the meals that were served at this event. Um, obviously, it's hard to describe because this is an audio podcast, but I think the best thing to do is 
Imagine going to a wedding and the woman or a funeral and the woman serving the food is your ex-girlfriend's mother. Like the way she just throw the food onto the plate with, with nary a K in the world is, is what the plating looked like here. No, no. For $70. Okay. Let, let, let me, let me, let me also try to describe these, these images. Mm. So the pictures we have here are picture, picture, um, let's say some kind of civil organization mm. has done collections <laughs> and collected things and then they are going to be donating food mm-hmm. to children in need <laughs> at an orphanage. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is they've taken all this food because, because it's, it's donations. You know, they didn't have a very clear set menu. It's just mm. a mix of different things that were donated. Mm-hmm. And basically they were all cooked on one fire. It's a potluck, but yeah, it's all one fire. Mm-hmm. Thank, so, thankfully, there were, thank, no, thankfully there were three or four pots. So they were mm-hmm. able to put things in different pots, but but the but meats, now each the meats were all in one pot. So all the meats are in one. Yeah, pot. The, yeah, all the all the meats were put in one pot because obviously there's less meat than than mm-hmm. sadza, rice, chichi. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now each child is going to receive a plate, mm-hmm. um, courtesy of the people who are donating. So the person who is dishing now mm-hmm. is um, it's the old mean lady who doesn't trust anyone else to be. Dishing because they're mm, going to give people mm. too much food. That's a, that's a, yeah. So she's going to dip one spoon, one spoon, one spoon in each pot mm-hmm. and just splash it onto the plate. But she's blind. But she's blind. So she's not, oh, she, she's not really hitting the right spot all the time. Sometimes she's even missing the plate completely because she's, <laughs> her vision is, she's got cataracts, a little old, you know what I mean? She's struggling. Yeah. Now, now, now there's 200 kids to feed. Mm-hmm. She's on kid 160 now. Mm-hmm. So the energy, the interest is gone. Now it's literally her shoulders hurt. Slap. Her shoulders tired. You know she's falling asleep. She's thinking about the so big game. Yeah. Slop, slop in the plate. <laughs> grab your plate and go. Another example I can think of is, you know, you remember packed lunches, Dan? You know, I do uh, remember. Yeah. Even even now as adults, you know, let's say, but but you you've got the lunch box that's just one lunch. It doesn't have the compartments. So and and, and in there you you put your rice, you put your salad. Um, you put your butternut because that's what's what's what's, what's envisioned. And there seems to be potato salad. So there's rice, potato salad, some form of meat, something, but it doesn't look like a stew because it's very dry meat, and like a dollop of butternut and then a dollop of coleslaw. And then you you want to reheat this, but you give it to someone in the office who doesn't understand that you don't reheat reheat potato salad and coleslaw, and they just reheat everything. But then you also realize that on on <laughs> the way the on, on the way to the office. Your lunchbox fell over at least 300 times. So it's now just like been tumble dried. All the food has been tumble dried together. And then they just serve that to you in a plate. That's pretty much what happened. So I think we've painted a clear picture. So on top of the, the, the poor plate, keep in mind, this was $70. $70 to attend this event. You've now been plated this food. You get home and your gut starts singing. Like you've, like you've just had wedding coleslaw. And keep in mind, coleslaw is on the menu, so they should have known better. But anyway, let's just, let's just say you trusted the coleslaw, but the coleslaw is coming back to bite you in the butt. Literally. And it's singing. Boom. All night, all night. It's coming out both ends. You are completely flushed, empty, dehydrated. You now go to social media to complain. Not only was the food bad, was the experience bad, but now all the food you ate is gone anyway. 
and everything that's been in your colon for the past 10 years. It's all, it's all been cleared out. And as a, as a form of apology, after you've suffered food poisoning, I, as the proprietor of the university, listen, I'm my bad. I'm sorry. I understand the food that we served you may not have been up to standard. But listen, we've got some leftovers of that same food. <laughs> no, she didn't say house. leftovers. She did. She said, we've got no. some leftovers of that same food. Come and have some more of that for free to make up for the last batch that made you sick. No, shame. So this, by the way, this is, we're not making up this story. This is a real story. It was a Mother's Day event. People came, they were given terrible, but it was marketed as this very fancy meal. Mother's Day, treat your mother to this fancy meal at this fancy restaurant. And they got that food that we described. And then all of them got food poisoning from that food. So she came back and she said, um, she, she said that they were going to offer them uh, another meal. She blamed the catering team because she said, Dan, if you, served, if you served me food, why would I get more food from you? If I served you food and you made my bubbles, my gut sing, why would I come back? Make it make it make sense. Anzi, everything was a mess. The event was the she says the event was well organized from the beginning to the end with five hundred and twenty guests. I have proof for everything. I bought a cow. Of all the events that I have done <laughs> since I started in the event industry, I have never gone out of my way like this. The catering team I had hired prepared poor quality food. So, so you so hired poor caterers. Give, so, so <laughs> how does that not reflect badly on you? Why is it there? It, Are you not? It does. <laughs> So then she says, all I can offer now is, oh, she says, I'll, I'll give them a free buffet meal. That's all I can offer now because they are saying they want refunds, but I don't have money. The event so, was expensive. So, I paid over $7,000 for the venue only. Not so, everyone had paid. Some were needy people, some from church, and some wanted discounts. I didn't yo, even get a cent. Yo, how are you victim blaming? Oh my God, how are you victim blaming? That's I think, Dad, yo, let, let's be honest. Yo, Dad, if I run a buffet, if I run a buffet, and maybe it's not well attended and the catering company lets me down. And I, and, and I run it back and I say, yo, to make up for this bad buffet, I'm giving you another buffet. Where do you think the other buffet is coming from? <laughs> Let's be honest with each other here. She bought a cow, Dan. <laughs> Keep in mind, she said, I can't give you your money because I don't have it. So what? She's going to have to hire a catering company or get she, some food. She's not hiring another catering company, my guy. She's, <laughs> she's, going, she's going to those leftovers and reheating those bad boys. <laughs> She's like, she's like, is that microwave? After five minutes, uh, <laughs> oh, so Phil, um, you'll be 40s uh, in just uh, just under two weeks. I'm actually quite sad because I wanted to get my parents tickets, but hey, yeah, we'll see. Maybe if some Binga tier Patreon subscribers just drop a bag. Yeah, you do know, something. I know Walter. Walter has been strategically avoiding. Like I see him, we have conversations. We we talk around the subject. They tell me like, yeah, no, we've got speakers <laughs> coming in. Blah, blah. I'm like, yo, if there's anything I can do, you know, man, let me know. Like I've got a staff. You know, we're ready to work. Yes. Staff on live events. And uh, I go, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we had. A, then last time we even had a meeting at Cafe Nush, and he came and he said hi, and, and he met. You met Rue, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, Rue, Rue stage managing at, at Fiesta, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, cool, that's cool, that's cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Anyway, anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. So, um, I want to tell you about my experiences um, being somewhat outside this past weekend. So, on Friday, I was invited to the Europe Day event. Mm -hmm. at the residence of the ambassador to the European Union. Mm -hmm. um, very fancy, swanky event I went through with my madam. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, there was a bunch of speeches. It was very weird. And they had, 
there was there was uh, um, waitresses going around the whole evening with you know topping up your, uh, your Bottega glasses, and then they had I think it was like something teen. Let me say fourteen or fifteen, maybe even more different stands for different European countries. And each of them was serving food native to their home countries. Man, I, I really enjoyed that event, Joe. I ate so much, had some premium drinks. They also had, you know, they were also like showcasing like, oh, this wine is from Portugal. And, you know, this here is a, is a craft beer from Czechoslovakia. Man, what an event. I, I, I can't believe the amount of euro... Is Europe not in a crisis right now? That was a lot of bags spent on that event. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much. It was mm. a great experience on Friday night. Then Saturday, um, which is a kind of a random invite from, I guess, a new friend now, I guess, to uh, Three Monkey, Three Monkeys. Have you been to the new restaurant in uh, Greendale? No, not yet. I, I, I have, I'll, I'll tell you off air what's going on, but it's fine. Anyway, I was... Man, that place looks nice, Philip. That place looks, even my Cape Town wife was like, damn, this place is nice. And I don't mean, it, it's not like a, a fine dining establishment or anything like that. It's like a, it's like a good restaurant, but it just looks really good. It's, it's done. It looks excellent. Excellent. And the service was great. The food was, it was good. It was possible and not, not incredible, but it was good. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah, man. Highly recommend. This is not even an ad. If you guys want to advertise, hit me up. So wait, so which, which is the event you're saying you made podcast listeners at? Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, at, so at this Europe Day event, um, I did meet several people um, uh, who were like, oh, I know you from the podcast. I didn't get any names. Um, yeah, I didn't get any names. But there were a couple of people that I met. Oh, I know you from the In fact, in fact, Someone approached me and said, you're from the Two Broke Timbers podcast. I'm like, yes, I am. And then uh, they were just like, oh, I, I listen, I'm a big fan. I was like, great, I'll give you a shout out on the next episode. I just forgot to get their name. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> also, also the week before, I was at an art gallery event for Combo Chapfika was launching uh, um, some pieces of his and whatever. And again, met several people. Like, I know you from the podcast. So I could give you a shout out on the next episode. Did you get their names? What their names. Wow. I am so sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. But shout out to you. You know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, the bastard. Speaking of, I gave, I, gave, I gave one of our listeners a shout out last week. And she, she was like, oh my gosh. Thank you. You lifted my day. Oh, Dan is not being Phil, my, wife. my wife is giving me the signal that we need to wrap up. Oh, she's she, so, she giving uh, she you the... Yeah, she's like, hey, listen. Okay, you've been in there for so long and it's late and I need to eat. Must I eat without you? That's, yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, you, know, so. you guys don't eat. Um, let's listen to a little bit of music and get out of here. We've got um, some, we've got some, some, some listener feedback. We've actually been putting this off, so we need to do it now. So... Uh yeah, Sh- shout out to to Farai, aka Don Fai. He said, "Lovely podcast, consistently, really piqued my interest. That bit about AI producing work similar in likeness to real people. How long do you reckon it'll be before AI is used in political propaganda? Can you imagine Mukumana's voice being used to say some really wild things? I don't know what that per- that 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 boy that he's mentioning is, 
But I, I, I put it to you that AI is already being used in propaganda. It's already being used um, in editing. It's already being used in post-processing. So I, I, I think we're already there. We, we, we're not even years away from it. We're months away from it. It's, it's going to happen. So especially because people don't um, check the veracity of things. Like, for example, this um, um, Tucker Carlson. There we go. Even that clip, a lot of people were fooled. A lot of people were confused by that. So, um, yeah. And I think he also had a follow-up question about the music, uh, which our producer did not copy. Oh, yes, there we go. Or when DSPs start rolling out premium services that will allow their customers to make their favorite artists cover whatever body of work they want. I think that that won't be upon DSPs because they don't have the rights to the music. They would have to get the rights from the the, the labels who own the the rights. Um, I think for now, the labels are holding off on that because the product is the artist. But eventually, it is going to be cheaper to have an AI version of an artist. So they've already started seeding it. You remember that very problematic um, metaverse Drake rapper? Drake and Weekend. Um, oh, that's what you're, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, there's an artist called Holly who has a version of her voice called Holly Plus, which she already offers as a service for people if they want to collaborate with her. We saw Elon Musk's baby mama hopping on that bandwagon as well. So I think rights holders are going to start using this as a feature because essentially it, it makes it easier. But we don't even have to go to music. Keep in mind the last um, season of Star Wars. Jeez, Dan, why is my brain off? What is the, the, the last? Um, the Mandalorian. Obi. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Kenobi. Yeah. Kenobi. Darth Vader in that show was all AI because obviously James Earl Jones can no longer voice act. So... It's already happening. It's just happening in in, in smaller stages. It's going to increase. And keep in mind, um, episode eight and nine, Princess Leia was the CGI version, which in some instances is the AI version. Even in the last season of The Mandalorian, the young Luke Skywalker saving Grogu. That was heavy CGI slash AI. So we're already there. We're just going to get used to it now. And we've already been soft trained to get used to it with all the CGI in movies anyway. And yeah, I think the other thing I was going to mention was the theme as which we discussed. So yeah, shout out to our listeners. Dan, let's choose some music. Dan, actually Dan, music that we have listened to, not what the producer has suggested. What are you Have you heard it? Have you heard that new ASAF? Uh, I like it. I actually have not. Let's, let's give it a spin. But I need to play it because whenever you play it from your side, I can't, I can't hear a word. All right. Yeah, all right. You drop it. You play it, man. Let's see if it's on the DSPs. That's another question. If it's not on the DSPs. Wanyura uh, Esaf. No, it should be. It's on the DSPs. Esaf, Esaf is a... Imagine if it wasn't. <laughs> well, well, finish the sentence and uh, thing. In fact, there's a discussion we need to have that... I've kind of been tiptoeing around it because it's it's a very industry nerdy discussion, but yeah, I feel uh, I don't know when when are we going to discuss it? When are we going to address that elephant in the room, Dan? <laughs> you see, it's not. I think we. It's not on his. Page. Ah, ASF, don't disappoint me like this. It's not on his page, and I know why. It's not on his page, and I know why. We'll play out with it, but ASF, 
I know why it's not on his page. One day we should address that elephant in the room. I felt so bad even when I did that ASAP interview a couple of months ago because I was just like, I felt so bad. He, 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 actually, he actually references it in his song, by the way. Which is why. Anyway, to put it in short, Universal is a dumpster fire right now. Universal Africa is an absolute dumpster fire. Hey, let's, let's relax for you. And it's bad. It's bad over there. No, let's relax. It's bad. Let's not, let's not, let's not all the artists are talking bags, smack yeah. about them on the timeline. It doesn't take rocket scientists to realize things are bad over there. Why do you think, why do you think they changed their team? They're rehiring stuff that they retrenched. Or rather, they, they, they're re-advertising positions that they retrenched. That's how bird it is. So, <laughs> uh, still on the music train, Ja Praise obviously released his album, double album, Albums. two albums uh, last week. Uh, so he released two albums. One is called Chire Merera, which is the more traditional Ja Praise sound that we've grown to, grown to know. Uh, the one that made him a darling of uh, Zimbabwean weddings. Then the other album is Maita Baba, which he says is more of an Afro album, where he's aiming for a little bit more of an international sound. Um, so, of course, depending on what you like, he says, I'm going to give you both. Both albums dropped at the same time. Um, and I must say it has been received very well. I have sampled some of it. I haven't gone through the whole album, but there's a couple of songs that I, I listened to. For example, on the Maita Baba album, he's got two features with Shasha. Both uh, as Shasha and Dakari, by the way. Um, another one with uh, Japreza and Takura, which I thought was pretty dope. Uh, another one with Gemma Griffiths, etc., etc. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then on the Chire Merera album, um, it's of course that's the one that's a little bit more traditional, and I think it's going to have more. You know, you know the Zimbabwean audience, the Zimbabwean audience that loves the Japreza that they've grown to love in the past ten years, um, and and apparently. Apparently, this album has really scratched that itch that many people had for Ja Prezer. So, uh, I have to give him props. He, he does it every, every time. Mm. So, yeah. Um, also, another feature on that Maita Baba album is Heavy K, which I found interesting. Let me see. Uh, let's play the title track of that second album, Maita Baba. It's featuring Shasha and Takari. Um, but you said you won't hear it. Let's try. The car, let it be play. My job, man, you
Don't you think it's funny that Jeff Fraser and Shasha are collaborating? It's just mm, no. <laughs> let me not go. If you if you know, let me not go. No, to. it's not actually. No, I know, I know why. Mm-hmm. I just mean us getting to this point. It's funny, man. You know, it's, don't you think? So? No. <laughs> Dad, you're so messy. You are a messy girl. You are a mess. You are a messy girl that lives for drama. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, Philip, as you know, I have been summoned. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to end the podcast. We were hoping for a Gagaga episode, and as usual, again, we're approaching two hours now. Um, listen. We appreciate you. Uh, the Patreon group is growing steadily. Thank you very much to everyone who is subscribing via Patreon. TwoBrokeTwimbles.com forward slash donate is how you can do so. Uh, $5 per month is all it takes to get you within our exclusive group where you can have great mm-hmm. conversations with great people. Uh, a lot of the stuff doesn't even make it to this podcast. Sometimes we discuss extra of what was already on this podcast. We have great conversations in there. Not only that, you get first access to certain things. Um, for example, when we interviewed uh, Tubaba and uh, Larry Gaga, uh, the, the Patreons heard it a full week and a half before the rest of y'all heard it. Yeah. It was not too weird. Not, not, not even that. Though. They saw the video too. And just yeah. yesterday, I had some exclusive tickets to a show in Joburg where, in fact, let me, let me let me get the full roster so I can so I can make people jealous, jealous. I I gave away I was giving away tickets to a show that has Baseline Fest with Shava, Simi, Durban Gogo, as long as Fayaza, Afrotronics, and the Planetoids. So if you wanted to attend that show, all you have to do is part of the group and I'd send you a link and you just register and bam, free attendance. So yeah, so um, all those benefits, but the biggest benefit really is just knowing that you're supporting a podcast that you enjoy. So twobroketumbles.com forward slash donate, uh, sign up on the Patreon. Um, $5 tier is the minimum, but of course, $5 is for us who are struggling. If you are in binga. You can always choose a higher tier. You can also support us, by the way, just by liking, subscribing, following, retweeting, resharing, reposting, uh, and dropping a comment on your podcast app of choice. We will greatly appreciate it. Yes. In fact, Spotify just sent me a notice about some art, uh, some people that answered questions. But shout out to Miss TMB and Farai for joining the Patreon train this week. Dan, give them some air hugs. Some air horns. Oh, wait, wait, my air horns. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, I've lost my air horns. Oh, oh my god. Oh, oh. oh this, this is why they pay oh, the big I, bucks for us because we're, we're so well put together. You know, Dad, I haven't seen oh, you. Oh my god. So What's that? I haven't seen you in so long. And shout out to people that use the feature on Spotify to respond. Shout out to Simbi, the anointed. She said she loved our last week's episode. And Kuzi said, great episode. I love it. It's almost like these are robots that they just love our stuff. Like, love it. I love it. And we love you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, we wait eagerly for the Beyonce hair products that will be coming out. Oh. Mm. Exclusive, exclusive, uh, exclusive. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in again. This is Two Broke Twimbos. Um, we'll catch you next time. We out. Feel ya. You're breaking my heart. 